we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. My country tears Sweet land of liberty of Beyonce. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Oh, you better believe it is. Good morning to you. We are underway at 11 minutes after, a little later this morning. It's 11 minutes after 9 o'clock, but we're here and we're ready to rock and roll on this Thursday. It's the 10th morning of the 8th month in the year of our Lord, 2023. So uh, we've got a nice show lined up for you today. Coming up in an hour at uh, 1010, we're going to be talking with Dr. Everett Piper about a host of issues related to the culture wars we were dragged into. We did not start, but we absolutely must win. uh, Dr. Piper will join us. Then at uh, 1035 this morning, one of President Trump's attorneys, as a matter of fact, the one who met FBI investigators, when they came and raided Mar-a-Lago looking for documents that President Trump was allowed to have under the Presidential Records Act, uh, Christina Bob, she will be joining me at 1035 to talk about the latest attempts by Jack Smith and the, uh, uh, can I call the DOJ radical? I think that's not, I don't think that's out of line. I don't think that's unfair. The radical Department of Justice, their latest attempts to try to stop Donald Trump from running for president, winning a nomination, and so forth, keeping him tethered to courtrooms across the country uh, on a bunch of bogus made-up charges. Uh, And that's the reality of it. That's what a banana republic looks like. That's what a banana republic smells like, quite frankly, uh, trying to jail and stop uh, a, a presidential contender from taking the current Office holder, the incumbent out of power. Anyway, uh, Christina Bob uh, was one of President Trump's, or is one of President Trump's attorneys, but she was on that particular day in Mar-a-Lago. So we're going to talk about the latest attempts to stop him and the latest attempts of that, what did I say I was going to call the DOJ? Radical extremist? Yeah, I'm going to. The radical extremist DOJs 
never-ending defense of the first family of crime, otherwise known as the Biden family. We're going to talk about that coming up here in just mere moments as well. Now, before we get started with anything too serious, quick follow-up note on issue one and the defeat on uh, on uh, Tuesday. Because I just found this this morning fascinating. Just, I mean, if you were looking for evidence of the confusion that was sown by the left with their $15 million of out-of-the-country and out-of-state dollars uh, used to to spend on, on this very, very deceptive ad campaign and how successful it was, um, there was a... There was a tweet this morning from Allison Russo, who is the minority leader in the Ohio House. Um, <laughs> Allison Russo retweeted a story in The Hill, and this is the headline of the story in The Hill. GOP alarms go off after Ohio abortion vote. Now, I'm going to pause for a moment let you think about what's wrong with that statement. What's wrong with that headline? GOP alarms go off after Ohio abortion vote. And the answer, of course, is this was not an Ohio abortion vote. But that's how they wanted to paint it. That's how they wanted to spin it. That's how they wanted to lie about it. And they did very effectively. They wanted people to think this was a referendum on abortion. Because if it was, they could confuse people of that and make them think that it was, they would have pro-lifers voting no. They would have pro-lifers voting no. I don't want, I'm not for any time on demand abortion in, you know, in the state of Ohio. I'm not for unrestricted abortion. No, I'm voting no. That's what they wanted. And I have been claiming and arguing since the results on Tuesday became apparent. It worked. And I know it worked. How do I know it worked? This is what I wrote in my Twitter response to Alison Russo. This is a perfect example of the confusion the left bought and paid for in the run-up to the special election. This was not an abortion vote. The abortion vote is in November. This was a vote on changing the threshold for constitutional amendments. And I know for a fact that many pro-lifers voted no on Tuesday because they thought they were voting to stop abortion on demand in Ohio. They've literally told me so. That's how I know. But the radicals and the extremists spent $15 million on deceptive ads to make this happen, to make people think that this is a a vote on abortion. That's why they took Frank LaRose out of context and, uh, and and played those ads, I can't even tell you how many times. It seems like it was on my TV screen every every two spots, every two commercials. There was uh, Frank LaRose saying, this is 100% about abortion. And it confused a lot of people into thinking this is about abortion. And people who are pro-life are, of course, anti-abortion. And they voted no. Now, I'm not saying that that was enough to make up for the deficit, you know, the 57-43 outcome in the uh, uh, you know final totals on Tuesday. But this is the point people need to understand. The left will lie, cheat, and steal to win elections, regardless of what they're for. Presidency, governor's races, 
issues, ballot initiatives, doesn't matter. They'll lie, they'll cheat, and, they're ste- and they'll steal. And it works. The Hill was was duped into thinking that this was a, a vote on abortion. It was not. It was a vote about constitutional th- amendment thresholds. But this is how it was painted. This is how it was sold. Bought and paid for, by the way. This is the reality. So my point to that, of course, is in November, there will be no such confusion. In November, there will be clarity of purpose. You're either going to vote yes in November for any time on-demand abortion, or you're going to vote no in November, which is against any time on demand right up until the moment of birth abortion. I hope that's clear to people. Now that the confusion from issue one on August 8th to, to the actual ballot initiative on November 7th, now that that is going to be in the rearview mirror and it's just going to be all about clear eyes and clear minds looking and saying we either want abortion on demand in Ohio or we don't, uh, that's when I believe that the true nature of pro-life conservative Ohio will rise up and will will defeat that initiative in November. Now, I want to address one other quick thing here. What the left has done, again, this was a very, very big part of their, their, their deceptive campaign. They're talking about, what are you talking about? Nobody does abortions at the moment of birth. Nobody does late-term partial birth abortions. I just found that fascinating, too, and that's why I really appreciated this article in the Federalist posted yesterday, headlined, Of course Democrats support abortion on demand until the moment of birth. Despite their denials, of course they do, because it is obvious. Quoting from the Federalist, Numerous states have passed laws that effectively allow unfettered late-term abortions. States like Colorado boast that these policies create, quote, social, moral, and economic benefits. Let me say that again. Murdering a baby because she happy she or he happens to be on the opposite side or the other end of the birth canal rather than on this end of it creates social, moral, and economic benefits. End quote. I want you to ponder that while I tell you the rest. Washington Democrats have also uh, attempted on numerous occasions to codify occasions to codify such policy nationally the women's health protection act for instance would have made abortion legal over the first two trimesters and then allowed for the termination of a pregnancy when a health care provider who doesn't have to be a doctor determines that a woman's life is threatened or if they detect any mental distress which can mean anything now of course no one opposes Forced birth when a woman's life is in jeopardy, not health, but life. Because when you just say a woman's health is in jeopardy, then it can be any mental health issue. I'm really, really just stressed, and I'm really, really out of my mind. I really don't want this baby anymore. Well, okay then. Third trimester, doesn't matter. Let's, 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 let's cut it up. And by the way, I apologize but I don't, for using the barbaric language that I am, because that's what they have to do. Particularly when you get into second semester, uh, or trimester rather, second trimester uh, procedures, they're cutting the baby up, limb from limb. It has been exposed through uh, ultrasounds as they are happening. It's what turned Abby Johnson 
from a Planned Parenthood clinic director into one of the most outspoken abortion opponents in the in the country, if not the world, because she saw it as the baby screamed and raged and, and backed away and, and tried to get away from the barbaric things that were being done to it. And I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry because you need to know it. Pain-capable babies before they're born being dismembered. I'm sorry. That's the reality of it. And people bury their head in the sand because they don't want to know it. They don't want to think about it. They don't want to come to come to grips come to grips with the sadism of those types of things. And when we get into the third trimester, it's far worse, particularly when it comes to partial birth abortions. And yes, they exist. NBC reporter Dana, uh, Dasha Burns played the same dishonest game with Ron DeSantis recently, calling the governor's claim that Democrats support abortion without limits a misrepresentation, noting that, quote, there's no indication of Democrats pushing for that, end quote. She's objectively wrong on that count. But let's not ignore the first part of the statement in which she says 1.3% of abortions happen at 21 weeks or higher. Just imagine a reporter dismissing the victims of school shootings as a rounding error because victims only represent .00001 of firearm fatalities. Those 1.3% of abortions, by the way, result in the termination of some 8,000 to 10,000 viable unborn children's lives or around 8,000 to 10,000 more than die from the dangerous extreme weather that the uh, media keeps scaremongering about. There's more information here that you need. I don't want to spend all day on this, and I won't, but I've got a little bit more I'm going to share with you on the other side of the break. We'll do our Pledge of Allegiance as well. But you need to know these things as we kind of put Tuesday in the rearview mirror and uh, and proceed full speed ahead toward November. i got more for you right after this on Always Right Radio. All right, 927, we're going to do our pledge here right before the bottom of the hour, but I want to just give you a little bit more of this information to put the wraps on this part of the discussion now as we, again, look at, uh, you know, Tuesday through the rearview mirror and look through look at uh, uh, November, uh, you know, full speed ahead. Quoting again from The Federalist, when the radical extremists in Ohio try to tell you they don't want to have a third trimester and a late term and right before birth abortions, here's more information you need to know. Plenty of evidence suggests that women get late-term abortions for the same reason they get early abortions, birth control. It's not always about saving the life of the woman or anything having to do with health. It's convenience. The pro-life Charlotte Lozier Institute found both medical literature and late-term abortion providers showing most late-term procedures are not performed for maternal health complications or lethal fetal abnormal uh, anomalies discovered late in pregnancy. The finding corresponds with a pro-abortion Guttmacher Institute study contending that most women who seek late-term abortions are not doing so for reasons of fetal anomaly or life endangerment. More than that, if these hand-picked experts and Democrats truly believed that third-trimester abortions were extremely rare and only existed to mitigate genuine health risks, then they wouldn't oppose regulations to ensure the protection of both mothers and unborn children, would they? But as it stands, Democrats not only oppose any and all post-viable limitations on abortions, They oppose compelling doctors to provide infants who survive attempted abortions the care provided to any other born human being. 
Again, it's almost certainly true that Bernie Sanders, for example, isn't talking in the interview quoted here with uh, Dana Bash about denying unwanted newborns any legal protections. He simply votes to make sure they are denied it. The left does not value life, and that's period, point blank, whether it be pre-born or post-born. And that's what we're going to be fighting in November. All right, now before we get to the bottom of the hour news, let's go ahead and stand. And let's uh, face our flags, put your hand on your heart, and join us for our Pledge of Allegiance. If you are a believer in murdering unborn children who just happen to be, unfortunately, on the wrong side of the birth canal, which is which is pretty bizarre to think about, but if that's what you believe in, then you probably don't believe in anything else that this pro-life country stands for. You are exempt from the request to pledge your allegiance to the flag. You may instead take a knee like the communist you probably are, next to that uh, unemployed quarterback over there and that now-defeated soccer team. As for the rest of us... I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. The Oversight Committee brought new information on the first family of crime yesterday. We're going to share it with you coming up on Always Right Radio. Waking up America from its woke slumber. Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on The Answer. Okay, 934, don't forget, uh, we're going to talk to Dr. Everett Piper coming up at the top of the hour, and Trump attorney Christina Bob will be, uh, Rob rather, will be joining us at, uh, la, 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 at uh, 1035, and I'm looking forward uh, to those conversations as well. So, um, Christina Bob, I don't like to confuse Rob and Bob, I guess it's because it's my name. Anyway, um, yesterday, James Comer, chairman of the Oversight Committee, came through with what Jim Jordan told me yesterday morning he would. He brought forth more information, full-on evidence of payments from foreign countries, including and especially Ukraine, to the Bidens, from Ukraine, from Russia, from Kazakhstan, bank memos detailing payments to the Bidens. In other words... He brought the receipts that many on the left have been screaming about, saying all of this conjecture that you're trying to claim that the Bidens were paid all of this money uh, by foreign countries while Joe Biden was uh, in foreign country uh, businesses uh, and corporations while Joe Biden was was vice president. Where's the where? Where do you have evidence of that? Where's the payments? Where's the receipts? He brought the receipts yesterday. Did James Comer and James Comer. Uh, went on Newsmax and was talking to uh, Rob Schmidt about that. Why are they blocking us from more bank record, Rob? If, yeah. if the president's done nothing wrong, then they should allow us to see their personal bank record. I mean, you've seen the emails that showed that Hunter Biden was complaining to his daughter that he had to give half of his income to his father. Right. That's pretty damning evidence. Yeah. When his income 100% came from our adversaries around the world for influence peddling, yeah. for, for violating the Foreign Agents Registration Act. And his dad, now we know, was on the phone call with all 20 of these people that sent the Biden family these millions of dollars. So Joe Biden has been implicated. And if there's nothing to hide, then yeah. they should be transparent with us with their financial records and stop obstructing and intimidating our witnesses and blocking us for more bank records. Yeah. That's uh, uh, House Oversight Committee James Comer talking to uh, Rob Schmidt on Newsmax. And this is some of what he is talking about. 
Here is a summary of the bank records memorandums memorandum provided by uh, the Oversight Committee yesterday. The full memorandum is online at the uh, oversight.house.gov website. But just a couple of points here. Committee staff is releasing payments from Russia, Kazakhstan, and Ukraine that occurred during Joe Biden's vice presidency. The committee has now identified over 20 million dollars in payments from foreign sources and hunters in the basement with a silver spoon ukrainian bribes are gonna be there soon when you're coming home dad i don't know when i'll put aside your 10 percent dad i'll always have your 10 percent life imitating art or in this case the parody of art imitating real life isn't it hunter biden and devin archer used rosemont seneca entities to bring in millions from oligarchs in europe and asia according to uh, using accounts nominally tied to devin archer but using the familiar rosemont seneca branding hunter received incremental payments originating from foreign sources attempting to hide the source and the size of the payments this all presented yesterday these are the receipts as they try to lock up Donald Trump for 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 ridiculous bogus indictments the most corrupt family in the history of the American presidency or maybe the history of the Oval Office by way of vice president or presidency thinks they're getting away with all of this February 2014 a Russian oligarch sent 3.5 million to a shell company associated with Hunter Biden and Devin Archer Russian billionaire Yelena Batarina transferred $3.5 million to Rosemont Seneca, the shell company. $1 million was transferred to Devin Archer. The remainder was used to initially fund a new company account, Rosemont Seneca Bohai, which Devin Archer and Hunter Biden used to receive other foreign wires. Spring 2014, Vice President Joe Biden, right? A Ukrainian oligarch placed Archer and Biden on the Burisma Board of Directors. While Joe Biden is vice president and agreed to pay them a million dollars each per year, Burisma Holdings' corporate secretary worked on behalf of the Ukrainian oligarch and the owner of Burisma. Hunter Biden was initially hired by Burisma Burisma to work as counsel for the company. And Pozarski and Zlochevsky met with Hunter Biden at a conference in Lake Como in Italy when they decided Hunter Biden would work on the board with Devin Archer. Then-Vice President Joe Biden visited Ukraine soon after those first payments. Payments from Burisma for both Devin Archer and Hunter Biden were then wired where? You guessed it, to Rosemont Seneca Bohai. Payments were transmitted in incremental amounts to Hunter Biden's multiple different bank accounts. I mean, we could go on and on and on. They released it yesterday. These are the facts. And despite the facts, the left wants to continue to try to tell you to gaslight us into thinking that, no, there was no business relationship to enrich the family O'Bidens between Joe and Hunter Biden. Listen to some of this crap. Joe Biden did nothing, nothing, not even approximating improper, much less wrong or illegal. It's wishful thinking. They're trying to create a scandal. They get pretty clear at least so far there is nothing there house republicans continue their search for any proof at all tying president joe biden to his son hunter's business dealings joe biden had nothing to do with hunter biden's business dealings because they want to they want to dirty up biden's name you know republicans have been trying to use hunter biden's behavior against the president did not know about anything that hunter biden was doing seeing that biden was was simply involved in his son's life in a personal capacity republicans from Consistently trying to make this argument uh, and create the illusion of of some um, malfeasance being. 
the illusion of some malfeasance, the illusion that Joe was just a doting father who was, you know, always interested in what his son was going had going on. But Joe told us for years now that he never, despite all of his doting fatherhood, never talked with his son about his overseas business dealings. Never mind the fact that Sonny Boy was on the board at Burisma, a Ukrainian energy company, and Joe Biden was named point man for Ukrainian relations by President Barack Obama. I'm just a crazy coincidence. But never did the man who was in charge of diplomacy with Ukraine during the Obama administration, Joe Biden, never did that man talk with his son who was on the board of a Ukrainian business. Just nope, nope. And when I was on phone calls with him and his business partners, we just talked about the weather. That's it. Just the weather. I mean, all the time. I mean, you know, because weather is kind of crazy. It can one day be a little warmer than another day. And we had long conversations about that warmth. And then other days it might have been a little cooler. And, you know, sometimes it rained. And we had to talk about those as well. 20 or more phone calls or in-person dinners with Hunter Biden and his business associates. But he wants you to believe that he never talked business. There's this testimony now where one of your son's former business associates is claiming that you were on speakerphone a lot with them, talking business. Is that what... I never talked business with anybody. And I, I know you'd have a lousy question. Well, what do you... It's, why is that a lousy question? Because it's not true. <laughs> why is that a lousy... Because it's not true. You sure about that? You sure it's not true? Um, we got some evidence here. We got some receipts here. We got some testimony under oath before a Congressional Committee on Oversight from Hunter's bestie, his best friend, Devin Archer, rolled over on him. And in doing so, while dropping that A-bomb, that Archer bomb, implicated you as well. Perhaps that's why people see so many... What are they calling these hacks, calling these things again? Spoke to... Business associates of Hunter Biden to say hello, to have small talk, casual conversation. Hunter Biden talked to his dad on the phone all the time. They talked basically every day. Sometimes Joe Biden would say hello to the people in the room if he popped in or on the phone or whatever. It's all casual. Just, just hello and, and uh, how's the weather where you are? Casual conversation, niceties, the weather. They never discussed the business. These were more of just cordial hello types of conversations. Ah, my friends, this is a master class on gaslighting. All of those clips I just played you in a row are mainstream media presenting um, the most ridiculous argument ever. That Joe Biden, vice president of the United States, never talked to his son Hunter Biden, first crackhead of the United States about his overseas business dealings in countries that he, Joe Biden, was responsible for uh, overseeing or establishing uh, policy and, and diplomacy with. Just never talked about it, not once. And that all of Hunter Biden's illegal dealings, as detailed by Devin Archer, as detailed by IRS whistleblowers, as detailed by Hunter's crack top, I'm sorry, laptop, that he left behind while high on crack detailed. 
The fact of the matter is the receipts are in the laptop. The receipts are in the possession now of the Oversight Committee. The receipts are public knowledge, thanks to Devin Archer rolling over on Hunter. The reality is Joe and Hunter Biden were in business together, and Joe and Hunter Biden enriched not only themselves, but a whole family of Bidens in the process. Just the other day, he said, Dad, I need some crack. Can you help me today? And I had lots of cash, but bills to pay. He said, Don't worry, Dad, I'll find another way. He was smoking for I knew it, and away he flew, saying, I'm gonna be like you, Dad. You know I'm gonna be like you. And hunters in the basement with a silver spoon. The hookers and drugs were gonna be there soon. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when I'll be good and high by then, Dad Yeah, I'll be good and high by then Picking through rugs, um, smoking anything that even remotely resembled crack cocaine I'm very proud of my son My son came around just the other day He said, I got me a deal where we can both get paid Can I trade on your name? I said, sure, okay Will anyone know? He said, no, no way And as he walked away, he looked kind of dim And said, I'm gonna be like him, yeah You know I'm gonna be like him He's, he's fixed it, he's worked on it And Hunter's in the basement with a silver spoon Ukrainian bribes were gonna be there soon When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when I'll put aside your 10%, Dad I'll always have your 10% I know how to game the system. Come on. Come on. Well, he came from Kiev just the other day. Had a smile so big I just had to say, Son, I'm proud of you. How's our cash supply? He nodded his head and said, Great big guy, but what I really need, Dad, is to borrow the car keys. You can take the vet, but watch the boxes, please. And Hunter's in the basement with a silver spoon. Classified papers all over the room. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when. I'm getting good and high again, Dad. I'm getting good and high again. You pointed out the reason why he regrets it is he didn't anticipate that that bug like Giuliani would use it to, in fact, try to embarrass his father. Yes, they are. They're flat bugs. Come on. This guy is a dog whistle about as big as a foghorn. I stole an election and my son moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, you owe some cash, I want my cut today. He said, calm down, Dad, you know it's on the way. But my laptop is gone and now it's on you. And now we're both really screwed, Dad. And now we're both gonna be screwed. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me He was damn near dumber than me My boy was dumb as me And there was Hunter in the basement with a silver spoon All of our crimes were coming out real soon When's it all end, son? I don't know when But we're gonna end up in the pen, Dad We're both gonna be in the pen I am absolutely certain 100% certain that at the end of the investigation that I will be 
leader of any long term. God save the queen, man. It went viral. It is all over. Over 2 million views online. You can download the song to your phone at whkradio.com. Go to the homepage. Click on Hunters in the Basement. Go to my page, the podcast page. Click on Hunters in the Basement. And, uh, yeah, we're going to enjoy that parody for a long time to come because parodies mean art, and art is imitating life. We'll be back. Okay, 9.53, it just dawned on me. We've had so much news to discuss here. I haven't even uh, given you the phone number. I haven't asked for a single call this morning. And it might be a little too late for that since I do have Dr. Everett Piper coming up after the top of the hour. But when you're ready, at 216-901-0945. Here's a question for you. Completely change the subject here. Have you seen the pictures? I put it on my Rumble feed, which is Always Right Radio. You can look forward to that on Rumble if you wish. And I tweeted it on uh, France Rants as well. I think I'm even have it on my Facebook page, which is also Always Right Radio. Anyway, um, it's a picture of the border buoy wall, right? You know what I'm talking about. President Trump tried to tried to build the real wall and built portions of it. Obviously, didn't get it finished before uh, they stole the election, and uh, then of course Biden put the brakes on it. And there, I can't even tell you how much or how much money uh, worth of steel there is just completely wasting away in the desert along that border. So they stopped the border wall, but uh, in Texas, of course, they continue to be overrun. So what Governor Greg Abbott did down there in Texas was he said, then we're going to at least do what we can to stop people from crossing the Rio Grande and coming into this country illegally, bringing with them all kinds of things like crime from the gang members, the cartels, drugs, human smuggling we're gonna we're gonna do what we can to stop them from crossing the rear grant so if we can't build a, a physical border wall on the border then we will go halfway out into the rio grande and build a buoy wall and there are a bunch of orange buoys all fastened to one another that spin when you try to climb over them or uh try to go under them um and this was this is of course is just a deterrent. Don't try to cross the river. You can't get past that that border wall that we have there in the form of buoys. Well, apparently they've gone next level. Joaquin Castro is one of the leftists that is for open borders, who actually tweeted about this and did some up close and personal video showing that there is something between these buoys. Now, I don't know if they always were if, or if these were added because people were finding ways to squeeze between the buoys. But Joaquin Castro tweeted, Everyone needs to see what I saw in Eagle Pass today. Clothing stuck on razor wire where families got trapped. Chainsaw devices. He doesn't know the difference between a chainsaw and a circular saw. I'll cover that in a second. Chainsaw devices in the middle of the buoys. Land seized from U.S. citizens. Operation Lone Star is barbaric, and Governor Abbott is making border communities collateral damage. Another one who is for open borders and no American sovereignty whatsoever. Representative Sylvia Garcia, quote, appalled by the ongoing cruel and inhumane tactics employed by Governor Abbott at the Texas border. The situation's reality is unsettling as these buoys' true danger and brutality come to light. We must stop this now. And what they're talking about are circular saw blades that have been uh, fastened in between each of the orange buoys. In other words, if you try to squeeze between them, you're going to get cut. 
Now, of course, the goal is to not have anybody get harmed by the blade. It is meant to be a deterrent saying, don't go through there. That could not go well for you. That is, of course, the reason why um, we have signs uh, on schools and our buildings that are protected by concealed carry people. You know what I'm talking about. The handful, and Parma's going to do this now, Parma Schools. Um, the schools that are going to arm staff, they want people to know this isn't a place to blank around and find out. We have armed staff members, and they will protect these children with lethal force if necessary. Put the signs up so you don't have to shoot anybody. Put the signs up to let everybody know there is going to be consequences here. So they make these announcements that these border buoys uh, in the middle of the Rio Grande are bladed, and if you try to get through them, you could get hurt. Now, the left is saying that Governor Abbott has blood on his hands. The left is saying that Governor Abbott is murdering people by putting these sharp objects in the middle of the Rio Grande where they are clearly evident and visible to deter people from trying to come across. And so there's a big debate now. Are the circular saw blades... Brigitte Gabriel from Act for America even tweeted about this yesterday with the question. I actually took her tweet and made a video out of it and put it on my Rumble feed. Asking the question, do you support the circular saws in between uh, the buoys? And and my answer is absolutely 100%. Because guess what? No one is forcing people into the river. And no one is forcing them to try to find ways to squeeze between the buoys. And if we want to find ways to stop them from squeezing between the buoys, then that is absolutely our prerogative and absolutely the right thing to do. We're trying to deter crime. Not harm people, deter crime. And that is exactly what this is all about. Stop them from doing it. Why do we have locks on our doors, on our homes? Anybody know that? Why do we have locks on the doors? I think the answer is pretty clear. To keep people out. And guess what? Why do businesses, particularly in manufacturing and industrial yards, have um, barbed wire fences around them? Why are there barbed wire fences around auto uh, uh, repair places? Because people come in and steal stuff and you want to keep them out. Nobody makes you go in and try to climb a fence with barbed wire on it. You get cut, that's a you problem. I say, do what you got to do, Governor Abbott. Nobody else is helping. Do what you got to do. All right, we'll take a time out now for Top of the Hour News. We'll come back. Dr. Everett Piper on AM 1420, The Answer. and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. darkness. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. Yeah, that was a packed first hour of information. Uh, uh, This hour, we have a whole lot of conversation uh, headed our way. Coming up in about a half an hour, we're going to talk with the attorney or one of the attorneys for President Donald Trump as he continues to battle indictments across the country. Christina Bob will be joining us. And right now, we're joined by, you know, we should probably, uh, you know, rename this segment or give it a name and steal it directly from the Washington Times. Uh, we should call this Ask Dr. E, because I ask Dr. E questions each and every Thursday. Uh, Dr. E being, of course, Dr. Everett Piper. 
He is a uh, former university president, a current uh, columnist for the Washington Times. He is also a podcast radio host. It's called The Rebellion. Make sure you listen to that wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, he is also a best-selling author and uh, a county commissioner in Oklahoma. Uh, hey, Doctor E, what do you think? Can we uh, can we call this? Ask Doctor E, what do you think? Uh, you can you can go ahead and run with that if you want. You know, I try to get my wife to call me Doctor E, but it doesn't work. She doesn't go there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, it's good to talk to you again, as we do each and every Thursday. So we've got a few things here. We will get to this week's Ask Dr. E about border walls and uh, the biblical or moral nature of those. But let's start with um, AI. I'm going to quote from about two-thirds of the way through your article this week, Dr. Uh, Piper. <clears throat> we now live in a nation where a young man in Wisconsin gets arrested for reading Bible passages in a public park about self-denial, humility, and love and where a new AI news outlet is calling Christians terrorists simply for posting about the redemption, reconciliation, grace, peace, and mercy found uniquely in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Dr. E., please explain. Uh, this is These are two stories. I think with all the Trump stuff and everything else that's going on with Joe Biden's corruption and uh, the family, <laughs> the Biden family, uh, mafia, I think sometimes we miss some very important stories. And one of the stories that caught my attention was this AI story, but preceding it, you may have talked about Marcus Schroeder, a young man, I think he's a teenager, who got arrested, put in handcuffs, and taken out of a public park in uh, Watertown, Wisconsin. And all he was doing was reading a passage of the Bible in that park. And you might think, well, it was the clobber passages. It was a passage out of Leviticus against homosexuality, or the iconic verse, um, out of Romans, where the Apostle Paul condemns homosexuality. You know those clobber verses, that's what the left calls those. We're trying to clobber them over the head with our Christian morality. He was reading from Galatians, Galatians, which is a, is a passage that just calls about, upon us to be unified in the body of Christ, not to indulge the flesh, but rather to serve one another in humble love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the passage he was reading that led to his arrest and him being let off in handcuffs. And then while that's going on, you have this AI story, which I think is as disturbing, if not more so, where there's a new news outlet called Terror Alarm, and it actually says this of itself. This is its own self-description. The world's first AI-generated, non-state-affiliated, agenda-free media outlet. And that AI news outlet labeled um, this phrase, anti-Semitic. It said this, Jesus Christ is Lord is trending, okay? Jesus Christ is Lord is trending. It labeled it anti-Semitic. Somebody else reposted it and said, why is Leon Musk doing nothing about this? That should send shivers up everyone's spine if one of the most important statements in the history of the world, the history of the universe, Jesus Christ is Lord, is now being labeled by an AI news source as being anti-Semitic? I mean, how many times is Jesus referred to as Lord? I went and looked it up. 770 times in the Bible, Jesus is referred to as Lord. So apparently you or I or anybody else quoting things like, King of kings, Lord of lords, Lion of Judah, Lamb of God. Or perhaps quoting a verse, I'm looking one up right now, where it says, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and broken down the dividing wall of hostility, that he might reconcile us in one body through the Christ, 
There is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. That's Ephesians. I mean, I could go on and on from Galatians. There is neither Jew nor Greek, but all are one in Jesus Christ as our Lord. So if we can't quote these verses, which are actually verses that draw humanity together, there's neither Jew nor Greek, barbarian or Scythian, male or female, but we're all one within the Lordship of Christ, that's anti-Semitic? I mean, that's where this AI news is going to go, because AI is going to start pumping out the garbage that it was programmed to do, and I've said all along, AI is only going to give us what the elites are programming it to do, and it's already demonstrated that by telling us, if you, if you refer to the Lordship of Christ, you're a terrorist. Dr. Piper, uh, and by the way, I'll, I'll throw uh, Philippians in there only because I had looked this up, but Philippians 2.11, and ev- that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And maybe you said that one in your, in your uh, litany there. Um, but, but, Dr. Piper, I'm curious. This almost seems Marxist in nature, uh, and maybe that's how this AI was programmed. I don't know. But it almost seems Marxist, which, of course, as you know, is is predicated upon um, division, uh, separating oppressed from oppressor and so forth. It sounds to me like the glorious Judeo-Christian nation in which we live and uh, uh, and exist right now, they're trying to break apart by turning Judeo against Christian, by, tr- by turning uh, everything that Christians say or the most fundamental belief in uh, that Christians have, of course, which is in the divinity of Christ, uh, you know, turn them against uh, uh, the Jewish, the, you know, Judaism and Jews, and, uh, and to try to create that uh, enmity between us, that that's how they break us apart. Do you think that's part of what's going on? Absolutely. What's the nature of critical theory? Class conflict. It's, it's social Marxism rather than economic Marxism. It's probably both, but critical theory is a Marxist-driven theory. That's just a fact. It comes out of the Frankfurt School. It's a Marxist-driven theory. So critical theory, as well as Black Lives Matter, they, they promote themselves as a Marxist organization. So some of the very uh, driving forces in our culture right now, within the alphabet soup that we have to deal with on a daily basis, CRT, BLM, and the same is true for the LGBTQIA. It, it is Marxist because it, it denies reality and it denies the family. The Marxist agenda has always been a family-denying agenda because there are really only two organizations that stand against the Marxist overthrow of culture, the church, and the family. If you can tear down the family, then you're halfway home. And if you can disparage the church and the Bible, then the Marxist agenda has uh, has open reign. I mean, it can do what it wants to do, because the, the natural, um, God-given organization of culture is destroyed, and then you have balkanization, you have us against them, you have the 99% against the one, you have gays against straights, you have blacks against whites, you have, uh, you, know, you have all of this division that fuels the Marxist agenda. And to prove your point even further, we can talk about this in a subsequent show perhaps, China right now, and this is a fact, China, the, the CCP, the government of China is sponsoring uh, a, a new translation of the Bible. Well, it's a Marxist-friendly translation of the Bible. And here is one fact. What's that? I just said, of course it is. I'm chuckling, but please continue. Yeah. Well, one passage that they've already retranslated is the story of Jesus and the woman caught in adultery, in adultery where the Pharisees and Sadducees are getting ready to stone her. Mm-hmm. And we know what Jesus says. He says, let him who, without, who is without sin cast the first stone. And then he looks at the woman and says, you have no, you have no one left to condemn you. Go and sin no more. The Marxist translation of that has Jesus actually picking up stones and stoning the woman. 
Are you kidding? How in the world do no. they translate that? I, I'd like to. What what language of this of this earth or any other place uh, would that would that be uh, even even remotely uh, able to be translated? That's incredible. Yeah, they, they don't care. They're going to make it say what they want it to say to further their agenda. I think that's really the well. Point. And you know, when you talk about China, and obviously I go into all of the obvious politics behind communism, but I mean, propaganda is exactly what it, they 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 keep out free press, they keep out free thought, they keep out free speech, and they you believe only what the uh, state tells you to believe so i suppose if that's what they want to do with the bible they can and uh anybody who wants to find out otherwise is going to have to go outside of china to get the truth uh there you go that's pretty remarkable dr piper it's 1017 we'll take a time out here we're going to come back and ask dr e is building a border wall biblical is it moral is it ethical we're going to talk about that next right here on always right radio am 1420 the answer best hope of man on earth This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three is underway. Couple of great back-to-back interviews, one with Dr. Everett Piper last hour. If you missed that one, you can catch it. Uh, at uh, whkradio.com about an hour or so after the show ends. Usually we have the uh, podcast posted for you, so probably around 1 o'clock, 1.30, somewhere in that neighborhood. And then we also just spoke with Christina Bob, who is one of the attorneys representing President Trump. She was representing him when the, the FBI showed up in Mar-a-Lago and conducted their raid. They asked her to leave the room, along with all of the other Trump representation that was there. They were not even allowed to watch. His legal counsel was not allowed to watch as they did their search, which is incomprehensible to me. They were not allowed to watch as they took control of the boxes. They were, uh, uh, they were not allowed to watch. Christina Bob was not allowed to watch as they uh, took possession, as they took these things out. So nobody knows what was in those boxes. Nobody knows whether the things in those boxes were only the things that Donald Trump had brought to Mar-a-Lago or if there are new things in it now because nobody was allowed to watch. The appearance of impropriety is sometimes as dangerous as the impropriety itself. And right now, in my view, this is what I said to Christina Bob, and I'm not a lawyer, but if I was President Trump's representation in that Mar-a-Lago case... I would ask that every single box of quote-unquote evidence that they uh, recovered from Mar-a-Lago be, dis, uh, be uh, uh, not dismissed, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? 
I just said it with her, but it, I would ask that they, that it be uh, dismissed as evidence. Found it inadmissible is what I'm looking for. There you go. I would ask that they be considered inadmissible as evidence because nobody knows what was done with those when President Trump's attorneys were not allowed to be present when they were taken and then examined. That's a problem to me. Inadmissible evidence is no evidence at all. And and if you cannot prove that everything is on the up and up, then you know they call that in legal parlance chain of custody. If you cannot prove that chain of custody, the chain of custody from point A to point B to point C through Z, then it is absolutely uh, absolutely uh, likely that uh, a jury would find that inadmissible, would find that as a reason for uh, reasonable doubt. And so forth. So I'm so glad to to have gotten some very important information from Christina Bob there and some great legal analysis of President Trump's situations with respect to the trials or the indictments and the pending trials. She said there's no way he's going to plead guilty to anything. So that means he's going to take them all to trial. The Manhattan case, which is just ridiculous by overstuffed Alvin. This case in Mar-a-Lago, and then I said, which of the three thus far is the most fraught with legal peril for President Trump? And she said the J6 case, uh, which, of course, is not happening in Florida, where it should be. It's going It's been moved to Washington, D.C., and this is why I don't trust one bit of what is going to happen there. It's why I asked Christina Bob, would it be wiser for President Trump to have a jury trial or a bench trial? And the reason I say that is because every J6 defendant who went into the Capitol that day or who was just present and then investigated by the FBI, and you remember how far they went uh, and continue to go after the J6 defendants. For crying out loud, the FBI subpoenaed bank records from Bank of America to find out which of these individuals who uh, were Bank of America customers had used their credit card at any point between January 5th and January 7th in Washington, D.C., so that they could establish the presence of people. They didn't even have... Uh, just cause whatsoever for such, you know, uh, ridiculous, overbearing, tyrannical invasions and violations of people's Fourth Amendment rights against unreasonable search and seizure. They didn't have any just cause, probable cause, or otherwise. They were fishing. They were on a fishing expedition. Let's see who was here, and let's find out if we can charge them with anything. Because the more Trump supporters we can charge just for being there, and potentially trespassing, the more people we can lock up and throw in prisons, as they're currently being held in what essentially amounts to, to prisons in the Washington, D.C. gulags, under unconscionable conditions. But the more of them that we can throw in there, um, the more we can scare Trump supporters into staying quiet, into not protesting what we do anymore, into not arguing and using their First Amendment rights. Uh, to challenge what we are doing. The more of them we can lock up, the more fear we can sow in the minds and in the hearts of these people. We will shut them up and shut them down all at the same time. So that's what the prosecutors and the judges in Washington, D.C. are doing with the J6 defendants. So it begs the question, can President Trump even possibly get a fair trial himself in that jurisdiction? And the answer is no. Not one of those judges can be trusted to conduct a bench trial 
fairly and objectively for Donald J. Trump with what he's being accused of in uh, by, by uh, uh, Special Counsel Jack Smith. Not one of them. And so if you say, well, then fine, don't let the judge have it. Put it in the hands of the jurors. They're reasonable. Not when you have a, a jurisdiction, Washington, D.C. The district is some 99% Democrat in terms of registrations. And by definition, these people hate Donald Trump, and they're not going to be ob- objective and follow the facts as they're presented. They're going to be taken in by the ne- not never, never-ending, non-stop witch hunt through the media, they're going to have their minds made up long before they even get to a jury box. So I don't think you can get a fair trial there either. My point to this, all of this, is that Christina Bob gave us a lot of great legal analysis and very important information for us to observe and to remember as we watch these situations play out. But having said that, I want to go back to one of the first things that we talked about. One of the things that I found very, very disturbing And I want to know if you agree or disagree with Christina Bob. Christina Bob just threw her hat in the it's Trump or the country is destroyed ring. One man and one man only can save the country. Donald Trump, that's it. Nobody else, she said. Because there's nobody else that isn't owned or isn't uh, being manipulated or being led by other people. Only Donald Trump is the only honest man in America today, she essentially said. And that if Trump, for some reason, is denied the opportunity to become the nominee, then the country is lost. And it won't matter whether it's DeSantis or Scott or Haley or Ramaswamy or Pence or anybody else. They're all the same as the Democrats, she said. And I told her directly that I was very troubled by that mindset. And I could not disagree with it more. In 2016, in the prime of 2015, in the fall, and then in the primaries of of early 2016, I was not on Donald Trump's side. I was on Ted Cruz's side. I liked Ted Cruz a lot. I also liked Ben Carson a lot. Hell, I liked Carly Fiorina a lot. There were some people on the... uh, on that Republican primary, in that Republican primary field that I liked a lot more than I liked Donald Trump, who, coming into his candidacy, had spent an entire lifetime as a New York liberal. Spent his entire lifetime as good friends with Hillary and Bill Clinton. Saw eye to eye with them. Argued in interviews that he was pro-choice all the way up to the moment of birth. I remember playing the clips in which he said, well, yeah, I'm, I'm pro-choice. And somebody said, you mean all the way up into the third trimester and partial birth abortions? He said, well, if you're pro-choice, yeah, that's what you have to be. So I guess that's what I am. That was Donald Trump for most of his entire adult life. So when he came into the Republican primaries, I was like, what, are you kidding me? We can't have this. No way. So I was in favor of a lot of other people in that Republican primary field before I was in favor of Donald Trump. And when it came, became evident that Donald Trump was going to win the nomination and become our nominee, I switched. Because that's what you have to do. Because I said there is no way this country survives with Hillary Clinton as president. We must stop her with whomever our nominee is. We have to stop her. She is evil, 
She will follow the evil machinations of the Obama administration for eight years and continue and, in fact, worsen his policies. If she got four or eight years to follow the eight of Obama, we would never recover. Let's get Donald Trump in. And as it turns out, he had made a sea change in terms of his political philosophies and his liberal tendencies that he had during most of his adult life as a a multi-billionaire entrepreneur, real estate investor, uh, game show host, and the entire nine yards. He changed. And he won me over. And he didn't just use his words. He backed it. He walked it. He didn't just talk it. He was, for four years, hold off on the music for a moment, please. He was every bit as conservative as he said he would be, completely casting into his past, his previous leftist leanings. And so I loved every second of it. Backed it, supported it in the campaign, supported it during his presidency, because I said we had no choice but to stop Hillary Clinton. The point I made with Christina Bob was, There are some in this country who feel the very same way about Donald Trump that I did about Hillary Clinton, and that is, I will support anybody in order to avoid that guy destroying our country. There are a lot of them. The fact that they needed to commit fraud to remove Donald Trump from office does not change the fact that they they found 81 million, many of them, like I said, fraudulent, but 81 million votes, and a lot of those were people who didn't like Joe Biden at all. But they were going to do anything they could to stop stop Donald Trump. The way I said I would do anything I could to stop Hillary Clinton. So my point is, that, and this is what I want to ask you at 216-901-0945. Do you agree with, agree with Christina Bob that unless it's Donald Trump and only Donald Trump, this country's lost? Because I asked her directly if Donald Trump, one of her, you know, who's her client as one of his attorneys, if Donald Trump should take the loyalty pledge and say, I will back our nominee to stop Joe Biden. I'll, t- I'll back our nominee, whomever it might be, to stop Kamala Harris. I'll back our nominee, no matter whom it might be, to stop Gavin Newsom. If they make that switch, I'll back the Republican because that's what I am and that's what I believe in. And she said no. She wouldn't do, and Donald Trump won't do, what I did in supporting Donald Trump. And that is say, I might not agree with everything this person says or does, but I know the evil that awaits on the other side. And I will vote to stop that. I will vote to stop that destruction of our country. She said, did Christina Bob, you can go back and listen to this interview after the show, on on the podcast page at whkradio.com, she said, that it's that Donald Trump should not sign the loyalty pledge and back any of the other Republicans because they're as bad as the Democrats. She said there'd be no difference between a Ron DeSantis presidency and a Joe Biden presidency, a Tim Scott presidency and a Gavin Newsom presidency. They'd be uh, they'd be the same. I'm blown away by that. I have said for a long time, the America First movement was coined by Donald Trump. Make America Great was coined by Donald Trump. But the America First movement is bigger than Donald Trump. 
It's bigger than any one man. It has to be. Because what happened if Donald Trump got hit by a train tomorrow? What if for some reason he could not win the nomination? What if he had a heart attack? God forbid. And I'm literally doing the sign of the cross right now because, of course, I'm trying to make a point here. What if for some, what if it's ill health? What if it's an accident? What if it's a conviction in one of these bogus, corrupt trials that they are throwing at him? Whatever it is, if it stopped him from being the nominee, what Christina Bob just said is that we, we might as well throw in the towel, pack it in, just like China take us over because we'll, we'll cease to exist as a country. If, if Donald Trump can't save us, nobody else can save us. And that a DeSantis or Scott or Ramaswamy or anybody else presidency is the same as a Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or Hillary Clinton presidency. I don't believe that. I believe our nation... I believe our party, I believe our conservative movement, I believe America first, I believe make, make America great again is all bigger than any one man, including the man who founded that particular slogan and that particular movement. And I would have to believe that Donald Trump believes that too. Donald Trump might not say it out loud because it, part of his brand is himself, but I believe he has to know that it would be far better for one of his opponents in the primary to take over the country if he for some reason could not than to let the Democrats keep control of it. I have to believe that. And I hope he does make that clear. Because if for some reason he couldn't be our guy, I would want him to tell all of MAGA, 74 million strong or more now, that it is incumbent upon them to protect the America First movement and select the best America First candidate from the rest of the field and not let Joe Biden continue to destroy this country. I have to believe he would do that. I welcome your thoughts on it. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. We'll be back. We'll get your calls right after this. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. Okay, 11.35. Let's go to Barb, who's calling us from Medina. Barb. Barb on line two. Yes, Barb. All right, I can hear you guys, though, loud and clear. Let's turn the mic off there, and let's see if we can get Barb in Medina up and on the air on line two. Barb, are you there? Yeah. Hi there. Thank you for taking my call. You got it. Um, I just wanted to say that uh, I agree with, uh, President Trump's attorney, and uh, I think I came to that conclusion back in the early 90s, I guess, when uh, Bush spoke about the New World Order in a State of the Union address. So from that point on, they kind of became Republicrats and Democrats, and I could call myself a Republican and called myself a conservative. Well, I've had my own uh, reasons to fall out with the Republican Party and express my conservatism first, and I still stand by that, as a matter of fact. My conservative beliefs are not always represented by the Republicans. But you know what, Barb? They're never represented by the Democrats. They're never represented by the Marxists who have taken over that party, that once, you know, decent party. You know, a Kennedy Democrat is very different than an Obama or a Biden Democrat, but they never, ever have supported my conservative beliefs. So if I can get at least some support from the Republican Party, something that can be done to make things better for myself and for my family and for our economy and so forth, 
If I can get that, uh, then I will take that every time, and I'll fight for that. So it, whether somebody falls short of Donald Trump's standard, if you will, um, we know their standard is going to be much, much higher than that of the Democrat. Can we agree on that? Uh, well, I guess we could. Um, when, I, when I change their names, I believe that they're both taking us ultimately to the same place, just a little different path. And if I might be able to give you an example real quick. Go ahead. Okay. Like DeSantis, everybody like went crazy when uh, he wouldn't let them teach that uh, crap in the Florida schools. Critical race theory, gender race theory, or gender, critical gender theory, all that stuff. Yes, sir. And it went from like kindergarten to the third grade. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking... You know, what a sellout. And people say, well, you know, he probably couldn't get much more than that. But that's that's an example, one, that, you know, it should go to the 12th grade. So that's what I mean. And I, I will say, you know, I have pretty much always voted Republican, mm-hmm. but not because uh, I figured it was the better of the two evils. Mm-hmm. The Republicans are going to get us there just a little bit slower <laughs> Than the republic, than and, that, the and that and that may be the case, but Barb, isn't that exactly what we need to do? I mean, seriously, fast track to to destruction of our country, or slow track and try to find ways to improve upon it while we go. Because I just, there's no question you you can't. One of the biggest things I think, biggest mistakes I think some people make, Barb. You can tell me if you agree or disagree. Is making the perfect the enemy of the good. We, we have to make sure that we choose something that's good, even if it's not perfect. And by the way, I've got news for everybody. Donald Trump is not perfect. Uh, people, who, oh, I... who want, people who want to saint him as the, as the uh, core of conservatism are making a huge mistake. He is not perfect. He still refuses to admit his complicity in uh, Operation Warp Speed and the devastation of these, uh, of these poison darts on so many people. To this day, even though science has changed completely now that we're seeing the effects uh, in the moderate to long term, because we're three years on since that whole thing started, he still says, no, it was great. I saved 100 million lives. Uh, and I don't buy that at all. I think he had a very, very big problem with COVID. I think he handled it, mishandled it in a, in a lot of ways. So, But he's still the guy. Uh, he's not perfect, but he's the guy. And guess what? The guys who are running against him, guys and girls, uh, men and women, uh, are also not perfect. But are they better than the Democrats? That's what I couldn't get Christina Bob to admit, that they're better than the Democrats. And I hope to hell, as a, you know, as a conservative member, uh, that you and I are, that we recognize that it is always going to be better than anybody that's a Marxist Democrat. I, I, I do agree. I do agree. And, and I still believe that ultimately they're taking us to the same place, which is what you, you said a minute ago, mm-hmm. just a little bit slower. And that gives yeah. us a chance to guess. Um, but anyway. But that, that, that part matters, though. And, Barb, thank you for the call. That part matters, going slower. If there is a cliff... And you're in a car that's going 75 with no brakes. Um, you're going to die. If there is a cliff and you're in a car that's going 25 with no brakes, you have a moment, a two or two, an opportunity to save your life. Whether it's unbuckle, open the door and get out and roll, whatever it is, then that's probably it in a scenario like that. And I'm just obviously being very simplistic with this. But if you if you are on a fast track to death and destruction or a slow track where you have a chance to perhaps change the trajectory, you go with the slow track. And I'm by the way, I'm not willing to say that. I don't agree 
that the Republican Party is the same as the Democrat Party, but just on a slower track. I don't. I don't. Is it perfect? No. Is it far, far better and with a chance to do great things for this republic as it has for 247 years? Yes, it is. I believe that. Joe is in Seven Hills. Hi, Joe. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. Uh, pleasure to talk to you and looking forward to seeing you a couple of weeks at the Wounded Warrior Golf Outing on the oh, 25th. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, looking forward to it as well. I, uh, I agree with the Trump's attorney. I don't. I just think it's about money. Donald Trump cannot be bought. He doesn't hold allegiances. All these people that are running on the Republican side are going to owe people. And it changes opinions. And I read an article a while back about a lot of DeSantis' monies and stuff is Carl Rove, Mitt Romney, George Bush's. So I just... Look at it from the standpoint of money. Money will change people's how they do things, and one of the so, biggest so, so, problems. So you're, is you're, you're you're of the mindset then that there is only Donald Trump, the only man on the face of planet Earth that can't be bought or 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 intimidated, and he's the only one who can save us. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying the ones that, you're he, saying, that are you're running. Saying it. You're saying. No, it. I'm saying that the ones that are running, like you just brought up, uh, Chris Christie. Yeah. Exactly. They're all the same. Those are the ones for sure we know can be bought and and do things but, but, differently. But what I'm, what I'm trying to group. say to you, what I'm trying to say to you, Joe, though, is that you better change your mindset because even mm. if you're right and Donald Trump wins, he only gets one more term. And in in 2028, then you're going to have to pick somebody that you and Christina Bob and other people are saying are all on the take. They're all bad. None of them are real conservatives. They're all going to be establishment, deep staters. They might as well elect the Democrats. I hope you're not saying that because that's what you are saying. Well, no, here's what I'm saying. We don't know if they're all deep staters. We don't know if they're... uh, Different. What we do know is we have a guy that we know isn't. isn't we we don't funny. know that. We don't know that, Joe. Joe, and I thank you for the call. There's the music. We don't know that. We don't. I don't know where we got that. We don't. Donald Trump is going to be our nominee. I think it's ninety nine and a half percent assured that he is, and we're going to support him. But if you think that that is the be-all, end-all because he's perfect, you're in for a rude awakening. He isn't, and he wasn't. He's, is he going to be our standard bearer? Yes. Will I put signs out and campaign for him? You better believe it. But if you think that that is the only person who can save the country, and the country is doomed to hell if he isn't there, we got problems, man. We'll talk more about those problems tomorrow on a free-for-all Friday. Be well, be safe, stay free. I'll see you then. Bye-bye.